this Tiger Tour, you're either in with him or you are dead to him. Why would he change now? There's never been any in between. Let them coexist and, and divvy up divvy up the schedule, divvy up the players and divvy it all up. Isn't that ultimately what it seems like we're working towards? I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another Fire Drill podcast. There is a lot happening in the golf world in society as a whole. Uh, we thought this might just be a good moment to um, for Matt, Janelle, and I to talk about the state of things. Uh, for me, it's kind of an exciting day. It's book release day of Live and Let Die, which some of you have already heard about or read about um, here in New York City, doing some publicity, uh, all good stuff. Matt's in Oceanside in Fire Pit HQ. Matty, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. I mean, I, I I feel like I'm busy until I heard where what where you've been and what you've been up to. So give it a little more little more details on sort of exactly ex- what you've been doing today. Yeah, um, I think I've done five podcasts, two or three national radio shows. Um, I'm sipping. I've got my mint tea here. My throat. I'm losing my voice slightly. I hope it doesn't sound too bad for the view listeners at home. I came to New York because I was, you know, I had some TV stuff lined up on MSNBC. Today I was going to do Squawk Box and Morning Joe, but with President Biden flying to Israel, with the the House trying to elect a speaker, with the war raging in the Middle East and elsewhere, um, those things get better ratings, I think, than golf books. So I, I got bumped. Hopefully tomorrow, I'm I'm locked in for CNN tomorrow and maybe a few other things, but it's all good. I'm just happy to be here um, and. Uh, enjoying the room service of my hotel, which I haven't left this room since 10 a.m. It's now 5.20 p.m. I literally haven't left the room. It's just been ping-ponging from one thing to the next. But, of course, I appreciate the interest in um, people wanting to talk about the book. And it's it's been fun. I mean, I'm probably tired of my own voice, but hopefully nobody else is yet. (laughs) Well, I'm there are probably a few people. I mean, so probably. <laughs> I know a few tour pros have voiced uh, the idea that they're tired of you. Uh, well said. And I, um, but uh, good God, I mean, uh, honestly, given the state of what's happening in the world and the devastation and destruction and just terrorism and sadness and uh, I the idea of sort of talking about anything other than that or seeing anything other than that is, is, you know, here we are covering the game of golf. And I think it's just a good reminder and perspective on, you know, what it is we do and how we do it and try to, you know, certainly tell stories that in some cases (laughs) to Justin Thomas's point were you know, positive stories you know look um, yeah it's not it's not all positive and it's not always positive and i know you're at the axis of of this fantastically layered uh i don't know dysfunctional um fight for professional golf and for me 
before we get too far into it, it's just worth stating that, you know, it's also a good reminder that professional golf is only a sliver of what is golf, capital G O L F, you know, and that to me is also something that I try to remind myself, you know, I've certainly sent out a lot of tweets that I often think, oh, maybe I probably shouldn't have sent that out or, you know, <laughs> maybe I should have sat on that an extra day or reworded that a little differently. Um, and, you know, the more, the more I read of what you write, the more I'm, I'm hyper-focused on the other side of the game, which is, you know, instead of people who get paid to play, people who pay to play because mm -hmm. i think that to me is is truly what golf is and i think some of the guys who are getting paid to play some of those guys you know men and women at one point had to pay to play and i think they're not too far removed from that and you know i think we'd all we'd all be better served to keep things in perspective from time to time when when this kind of stuff gets so far out of control, which I believe is where it's at right now. Well, it's a good point. I mean, uh, folks who've been following us carefully know that we're, we're, we're monitoring and chronicling this uh, big renovation at Golden Gate Park Golf Course right in the heart of San Francisco. And I was up there just last week. They, um, you know, I was there on in February, the last day that the old course could be played by the, it's just this treasured little um, respite in the heart of the city for the local golf community and um, talking to the folks about how much the course means to them. And there was a little trepidation like, yeah, you, this is our course. I mean, it's not perfect, but, uh, but we like it. You know, we're, we're sorry to lose it. And what's been created there is just phenomenal. It is going to be one of the best par threes in the country. And so they kind of had a soft opening and they had um, two dozen young women who were part of the first tee. Really, they're girls. They're all teenagers. And they um, they came out and played. And the joy that, that just they exuded because it's just a fun, whimsical design and a beautiful setting. And you get up to the top of the property, you can see the ocean. You can see the, the famous windmills out there in um, the outer sunset. And uh, there's glimpses of, of, you know, the real urban tightly packed in houses and buildings and you have a real sense of place and just being around those, those kids, as you, as you suggest, Matt, it, it is affirming and it is a reminder of what it's all about. And it's, I mean, we tell a lot of those stories here at the collective, you know, whether, um, you know, we, gosh, let's go through the roll call of all the, the heartwarming stories we've done in, in the last year or two. I mean, there's so many, like we, you and I are both of our, our hearts are in municipal golf and in public golf. And, and we've been chronicling that, you know, pretty much nonstop uh, in parallel. You know, I have been writing about this, this battle for the, the soul of professional golf. And so uh, hopefully that's interesting to fans. You kind of get a taste of everything um, and, and, and readers and, and viewers and listeners. Uh, you know, we're not predictable. I think here at the fire pit, we're always, we're always chasing different stories and, and, um, and some are really uplifting and feel good. Some like, you know, I dropped one today on firepitcollective.com kind of gets into this, this current moment in geopolitics and in what that means for the framework agreement. And it's, it's complex and there's, it's a little dark and it's a little, it's a little edgy. And um, I like that mix for us. And uh, ho hopefully the, our, you know, our, our fans are, are into it as well, but definitely, definitely we have, we're like pitchers that have a fastball and a changeup and a knuckleball and a curveball. Like, 
I, I think if you come to firepitcollective.com, you don't know what you're going to find. And to me, that's, that's a great thing, but there's a wide disparity. Well, going through your, your article and your book and, um, and then all the, you know, sort of the preliminary feedback because the preliminary feedback on Phil, I think for a lot of people assumed one thing. And by the end of the book, they realized another, which is it was beyond fair and balanced and actually skewed more towards the positives that Phil has done and is capable of doing. But there's another side to him that, you know, right or wrong, like or dislike, uh, agree with or, or, or disagree with. It's just it's just who he is um, as you know, as you're navigating this free flow of politics, egos, money, which comes with greed. And then this, this concept of like a future, right? Cause at some point we have, we, they, it, the professional game of golf is going to end up somewhere, right? Where it is now at the end of 2023, what it will be in 2024, what I think people hope it will be by 2025 <laughs> is yeah. sort of what is, is sort of, that is the heart of the matter, right? Like what, what is the end game here? Who's yeah. in charge and, and like, where's the money coming from? How much money is going out? Like that to me is so, we are so far from where it's going to end up. It just seems it's, it's mind boggling to me. And farther than people think. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote this story, because even though the book's done, I'm can, I'm still plugged into so many people and I'm always talking to them. And uh, I got a guy on the phone. He's a, he's a big New York finance Titan. This is just, three or four days ago now. And he's very involved in the conversations around the framework agreement. And I said, is this thing going to be done by December 31st, which is supposed to, it's supposed to be when it's going to expire. He said, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's a mess. There's too many, there's too many egos. There's, there's too many, um, there's too many players, too many cooks in the kitchen. Like uh, he said, it's going to get extended and it's going to keep changing. And there's, it's been leaking out in other places about, um, all these private equity firms and other other in, you know institutional investors who are trying to get in on the deal and um, it makes it makes sense you know what this 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 the this so-called merger this big deal that was trumpeted it was nothing more than pinky promises there's nothing in that document that's binding uh, except for you know basically um, extinguishing the lawsuits like that that's a done deal that's happened that was a win for the tour. But otherwise, you know, there was a, there's a line in there about the Saudis have the first, you know, the PIF has the first right of refusal for outside investment. That's only that was that was aspirational. That's not the truth. They that's why the tour is they've got upwards of ten bidders now who want to get in on the deal, and they can either come in alongside the Saudis or they can push the Saudis out entirely. And there's pros and cons either way from from the PGA Tour perspective, but. So this deal is miles from being done and it's going to extend in 2024 and it's going to get a lot messier. So, um, yeah, to your point, Matt, I mean, it's a moving target. What, what the game's going to look like. Uh, it's never been less certain. You know, I think the announcement of the framework agreement kind of tricked people into thinking that that was the end game, but it's really not. 
wouldn't you say that where we are today and based on your your this article and some of your reporting even after you hit send on the book you feel like they again it professional golf is further away from a clean and clear future than it was the day they announced the this so-called pinky promise or promises <laughs> yeah it makes sense from jay monahan's standpoint i mean he the tour needs two billion dollars of investment that's the number they've settled on they can't pay their bills their models outdated it, it's time to to basically shift the tour as business model and that, that's a good thing i mean you look at the money that's flooded into english premier soccer and and every other sport really it was time for the the tour to have access to that because the old model of every year you got to go back to some corporation some ceo and try and squeeze another million or two million dollars out of them like now the tour is gonna have a war chest that it can it can invest in its product better tv better streaming better social media um and you know more interesting tournament offerings like they will have the money to do that this is a good thing for golf fans the issue is where is the money going to come from? It can it can be entirely the PIF, but we know that comes with political risk. I mean, the lawmakers on Capitol Hill are watching this very carefully because it would set a precedent for all of professional sports. Because, you know, if the Saudis can take over golf, why wouldn't they try and buy an NFL team and a Major League Baseball team and an NBA team? And so this is something that the professional sports are going to have to grapple with. And it just turns out that golf is, is the, they're the first guys in the door. And so um, if... I think the dream scenario for the tour is that that Yasir to maintain his position as in this new entity and you know have the proverbial seat at the table. If he would allow some other U.S.-based investment to come in alongside the Saudis, which would dilute their equity and dilute the Saudi influence, that becomes much more palatable to uh, the golfers, to the golf fans, and to Congress. And say, hey. Yes, we, we welcome the Saudis into this as a minority investor alongside all these other companies, these blue chip American companies, and that that becomes a much easier sell. Or they can they can totally cut bait with the PIF and go all in with U.S. money, and that would obviously make a lot of people happy in the golf ecosystem. But the risk in that is then you make you live golf a, a staunch competitor again, and now Yasir's pissed. And he still got the checkbook. So they're, you know, they're the tour's trying to thread the needle here. And that's why it, the negotiations are bogged down. Um, and that that's why the future's so uncertain, because they have there's there's you know kind of these three different possible outcomes, and each one has a has has a definite upside and has a definite risk. And so um and so now you've introduced all these other all these other people into it, you know, all these private equity firms. Uh, Ari Emanuel from Endeavor, the big Hollywood agency, like they're bidders. They have their own advisors and lobbyists and lawyers. And so th the cast just keeps expanding. The conversations keep multiplying. And, um, it, you know, it's, this is just, it was already a complex deal. And, and now it's, it's um, complexity squared. Tiger, Rory, hmm. Steinberg, Tigers inserting himself and a seat on the board. Mm -hmm. And again, from where I sit and all that I know and what he brings, look at how much money they've raised for their, you know, 
their, you know, their sort of, I don't know what you call it. The, 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 it's a breakaway league. <laughs> it's like, a breakaway league, right? Like just it, like it, just like live golf. <laughs> it's another, you know, you know. I I can't wait for that to get official world golf ranking points before live, which would be amazing. <laughs> be amazing. Um, uh, but you know, it doesn't doesn't it like Tiger and Rory and Steinberg have drawn lines in the sand, right? They. They are, and so that's like when you say like the tour's trying to thread the needle, I guess my my response to that is, yeah, maybe the tour is trying to thread the needle, but isn't Tiger and Rory and all that comes with that that you know business that's the furthest thing they want to do. They actually want to do anything but thread the needle. They'd rather create the money on their own generate the money on their own, be solely, you know, be independent. They've made that very clear. And, and thus the scenario of having live, then go and be a separate entity and pick players and essentially have a little now, now the tiger tour, which is what you should probably just call it at that point. Yeah. Once, once that, that then becomes separate, this tiger tour versus then, then tigers, the, the guy who's like, okay, if you go over there, then you're gone. Like that's the way he's always operated. You're either yeah. in with him or you are dead to him. Why would yeah. he change now? There's never been any in between it, it. It's very clear. That would be then the Phil league versus the tiger league. It's, you know, it's the Saudi money, the PIF money versus any other money other than whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And then let it be, and then let 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 them coexist and and divvy up divvy up the schedule, divvy up the players, and divvy it all up. Isn't that ultimately what it seems like we're working towards? <laughs> I mean, it's everyone is compromised in this. You know, Tiger and Rory are on the board of directors of the PGA Tour. They are also the co-founders of this T of this TGL, and so which the tour is invested in, they share intellectual property. Um, so. so Tiger and Rory want to protect this new league they've created. And, but that really benefits them and the players they've given a piece of the league too, which are all tour guys. No live players have been invited. Not Brooks Kepka, not Dustin Johnson, who everybody still loves. Like it's, it's the TGL has become a vehicle to continue to buy the loyalty of these guys who've stayed loyal to the PGA tour. And it's like a reward. You get to be, you get to be in the boys club. And so, um, when when this deal gets presented to the board of directors of the PGA Tour in whatever fashion it is, Tiger and Rory are going to have to vote on it. And something I've learned is that it has to be unanimous. To it's 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 in the tour constitution to change the tour's bylaws and to change its um, its, its fundamental governance structure. It has to be unanimous vote by the board of directors. So now you have Patrick Cantlay, who we know is a rascal in the middle of a lot of things, and. It's going to be like in Congress when you you know there's one holdout um, in in the Senate you know to break a tie and all of a sudden oh he's what we're going to build a new uh, military base in Alaska and we're going to like you know what like all the all the pork that goes into these these uh, all this all these bills like potentially facing that scenario where the the tour has has made a decision you know the Jay Monans and the Jimmy Dunns and they've kind of hammered out a deal and now the players have to ratify it but they have their own selfish interests which are 
very different from the you know what Tiger and Rory their concerns about the TGL have nothing to do with what you know Peter Malnati is trying to keep his card you know who's on the board as well you know Webb Simpson who's coming to the end of his playing days it appears like um, so it's this whole process is so interesting and so revealing and so yeah that how who's going to vote how they're going to vote and of course there'll be um, tons of conversation to get to that point um and it was quite interesting that you know this guy colin neville he's a he's at rain capital he was appointed to be an advisor to the player directors basically the tiger rory cantlay websonson peter malnati to advise him on the deal like so so jay and jimmy cannot pull another end around you know like especially like say jimmy dunn he's a very very sharp businessman he understands things at a granular level that no mere golfer ever could. And so he can outfox these guys, but you know, they brought in Colin Neville to kind of joust with him and like, explain it to the players on this, this human level. And so it's, you've got all these warring camps that are potentially um, going to have to have to come to a unanimous agreement for anything to get done. So the, the layers of intrigue, I mean, it's like trying to elect a new Pope, or uh, you know, it's just there's it's all happening again in secret, and um, we're gonna just have to wait for for the, the next puff of smoke to come out of the chimney, um, and 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 see where this process is. Part of the negativity or the response to your excerpt, latest excerpt, and the book in general, just me, you know, going through some of the some of the comments certainly maybe by the players too, as they try to kind of move on or brush aside or get to where they need to go is that you're bringing up a lot of stuff that took place a year ago. You know, you're, you're bringing, you're bringing back up or revealing stuff that was said when tensions were high amongst those players, when stuff was actually going down in terms of guys were leaving or not leaving had one toe in, but didn't, you know, ultimately pulled back for whatever reason. Is that, is that fair to say? Is that the sense you're getting is that, that a lot of these people involved would just assume not have all that stuff come out now, given the fact they're trying to like move on and come to some sort of, you know, comprehensible, you know, comprehensive conclusion. Yeah. Oh, they would love to sweep it all under the rug. Of course that, that serves yeah. their interests, you know, like, yeah, you know, that was, that was Justin Thomas's critique was basically like, can't you just say only nice things and, um, you know, not, not dwell on this other stuff, but it's like, this is how we got to this moment. And I just think it's so important for golf fans to understand like all this, this all just happened in the shadows. Right. And so no, no one knows how, we got to this moment. It's, it's just been, it's been a series of cover-ups in, in low key cover-ups and every, there's these information wars where everyone's trying to control the narrative. And what bothers a guy like Justin Thomas is he can't control me. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell it like it is what everything I've learned, everything I've been told from both sides, synthesize it and, and create, you know, what I think is, is the true story of what actually happened. But People, you know, the players, the other, other Jay Monahan, Greg Norman, they don't want that. They want only their version to go out. And a guy like Justin has been spoon fed a lot of stuff from Jay Monahan and Jimmy Dunn. 
and basically told it's fine. We got this under control. Don't worry about it. We're looking out for your interests. And in the end, it turned out not to be totally true, but it's like they've, they've become reliant on the official version of events, but that's often not the case. Like how many press releases go out, you know, about an officer involved shooting and it's, you know, the passive language and, and it seems you don't really know what happened and you, no one pays attention. Then the truth comes out and it's something darker. And I'm not saying that this battle is on, on par with that, but there's, there's like the official version that the, that, that the powers that be are peddling often turns out not to be the case. And, you know, my job in this has been to cut through all that and, and find the real truth and the real, the real heart of this story. So um, is that inconvenient for some players and some bureaucrats, you know, obviously, but that, I don't think that's really my issue. It's theirs. Well, the other thing is, is an, and, and this is my sense again, cause we, we spend a lot of time comparing notes and having conversations for every Justin Thomas or Brooks Kepka, who are obviously in these elite level of, you know, fraternities and boys clubs per, you know, have we, how we saw the Ryder cup play out and how, you know, just the whole dysfunction of that whole process. But for every Justin Thomas or Brooks Kepka that says, Oh, we're sick of Alan Shipnuck. I would imagine you probably get a lot of text messages, phone calls and DMS from a whole slew of other players saying, thank God for you because we don't have, we don't have a voice in the room. We don't actually have any idea of what's going on and never will because we're net that, that, that filter of, of communication and information is never, it's, it's always going to cut short of me being ranked, 56th or 65th or 165th in the professional golf world. And they're like, please, you're our only source of actual information because whatever else we're getting is just, is just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. It, it's been interesting. I, I have gotten those kind of comments and it is just such a polarizing subject. And even the media environment got polarized where, you know, a lot of people were reflexively pro tour anti live and I tried to not get sucked into that and, and kind of understand what was going on. So like when, when the framework agreement was announced and, you know, Jay and Jimmy were doing their media tour saying, we won, we've got all the power, we've got the board seats, you know, this is great for us. And I've been talking to people on live all along. And so they were telling me their version of events. And when I, when I tried to counter this prevailing tour narrative that, you know, actually Yasir has the money, he has the power. I got so much pushback from either other, you know, even other members of, of the golf media, but you know, they, they had not been to a live event. They don't have any sources there. They don't talk to any of the players. They don't talk to any of the, the executives. And so just by trying to tell a complete story, it, um, it bothers some people because they only want to hear that one version. And I mean, of course it's symptomatic of modern life where, you know, look at political, uh, consumption of news. Like if, if you only watch Fox news or you only watch Rachel Maddow, uh, you know, you have a very specific worldview. And when, when it gets countered, people get upset, they get mad, they start shouting at you. It's like, well, I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just saying, have you considered this? And, uh, but it's an increasingly difficult conversation to have in, in America today on any topic. And because this is, this is, grown from a golf story to a political story then and of course trump's in the middle of everything and he's he's a, obviously a very polarizing figure that um <laughs> it, it definitely it's turned the volume up on all this so um yeah it, 
there's definitely there's naysayers and there's supporters that you know at every level whether they're players whether they're they're fellow media members whether they're just people on social media but i try and tune all that out and just like focus on telling the story and whatever whatever the reaction is i can't control that but this is this is what i think the story is and if you stick to that i think you can avoid getting sucked in and getting off track but um I did. Well, I see I, you as know, Ben Affleck. I see you as Ben Affleck in the accountant uh, in that in that room where he sequesters himself for like a day, and he goes through all the the pens and he writes the you know the the long equation of how all this adds up, and the sum total of it is just he finds he essentially <laughs> finds all the. Yeah all the darkness in the, in the equation itself and how the numbers don't match up and they don't like what he finds, finds out. And, and you're just ripping through all these pens and all this paperwork and you're getting to the sum total of the, of the dysfunction, the greed, the egos, the politics and the bullshittery. <laughs> that's a, that's a great image. I love it. Um, but you know, part of why we kind of wanted to have this discussion is because, there's so much happening all around us. And like, you just came in hot from Las Vegas. There was this big convention of sort of thought leaders in golf around sustainability around water. And, you know, you and I just talking offline, it really, it really sparked my interest. I wanted to, can you take people into the room a little bit, Matt, and, and what you learned and just kind of set the scene? Because again, it's like, we're all affected by, what's happening in Palestine does that have anything to do with water consumption in Las Vegas? Of course not. But somehow golf gets mixed up into all these things where, you know, MBS puts out a statement that can affect the framework agreement. What, what happens to the future of water is going to directly affect golf and how we all play and enjoy it. And so, we're, you know, you and I are always trying to connect these threads, but what, um, what, what did you learn out there? Well, yeah, I was, I was asked to go to Las Vegas of all places to talk about water um, which at, on the, at the face of it, you're like, oh, they're having a, it was the Colorado Basin Golf and Water Summit. Um, the National Golf Course Owners Association put on back-to-back -back days of golf business tech. It was golf business tech con that rolled right into the Colorado Basin Golf and Water Summit. <sighs> to summarize what I learned being sort of in the bloodstream of both those days would be, would be very tough. I'm still processing a lot. I took <laughs> copious notes um, and, and was learning from a lot of different perspectives, voices, experts, panelists, you know, tent poles of the game golf. Here's, here's, you know, there's the good news is there's a lot of smart people trying to figure out, um, the issue that revolves around water, not only as it relates to golf, but as it relates to humanity. So I walked away feeling much more positive about the, 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 the amount of research, the passion, the experts, you know, that are involved in trying to make sure that again, forget golf for a second, that, we as a society will continue to be able to, you know, have a sustainable future. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, you know, and I think that was shared by a lot of people in the room. I wish more people were in the room to hear what was said, to ask questions that they might have or, or not have. Um, Jay Karen, 
uh, National Golf Course Owners Association, Rhett Evans of the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America, Don Ray, Vice President of the PGA of America, Craig Kessler, Southern California Golf Association, and Matt Pringle from the United States Golf Association, all in the room. Okay, that's so awesome. that's that that was important. You know, Don Ray from I don't know if you know him from the PGA of America, Vice President in, in line just by you know, reputation, yeah. President. Oh my God. Uh, a powerhouse, uh, someone who grabbed the microphone, never spoke from a single note, talked about how um, and pointed out how the National Golf Course uh, Owners Association should be commended for the fact that they're one of the most underfunded organizations in golf. And yet they put together these these you know conferences, these summits to 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 create this 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 you know these days of information and and best practices and information sharing situation that that I think a lot of people benef- benefited from that you know Don Ray stuck out to me and as an and as an organization that you know has the 16,000 members he said that 4,000 of his members are going to be directly impacted by water on an ongoing basis, right? So that's, think about the members of the PGA of America. A fourth of his membership are going to be dealing with water issues on a regular basis. So he admitted, hey, maybe we haven't been in the room as often as we probably should have. We are here now and we are here to stay. Like that was a big takeaway for me. The PGA of America, you know, the USGA is doing things and can, 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 and are going to committed to doing ongoing things to try to create, you know, better practices that relates to water and sustainability. We're seeing what's going in and Alistair McKenzie's famed greens at Pasa Tiempo and, and understanding better about how that irrigation process, you know, works. And, uh, and all of those little things matter, you know, what, wh- what's being done at Golden Gate Park, you know, the removing of all the thatch, that comes with a golf course that's gotten, you know, long in the tooth. Well, that thatching is a problem because that water is not going into the ground and therefore, you know, it's not being sort of reused, you know, reused in a way that is, is sustainable. So, I mean, at a federal level, this woman, Stacy Wade was in the, in the room. She provided a lot of incredible information about what's happening at the federal level to try to support, uh, the states as they manage and try to create better sustainable futures for the states. A woman by the name of Colby Pellegrino, you can't make it up. Colby Pellegrino uh, is the deputy general manager of resources at Southern Nevada Water Authority was an absolute rock star. Um, so between, I don't know, Don Ray and Colby Pellegrino, I was like, these two really stuck out to me as people who, are making a difference and they're going to continue to make a difference from, you know, a state level She, she you know, Nevada will be at an all time low in terms of how much water they're using from the Colorado river in 2023. That's important because almost all of, you know, the, the, all of their water is imported, right? They're not getting any natural water. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Paul Rotzer from, you know, from, from artificial intelligence, he's an authority in AI. 
he was the big takeaway from the golf business tech con, um, you know, the, the national golf course owners association and what they're doing. The fact that all those tent poles were in the room, Don Ray, you know, being who he is and the potential impact he'll have going forward, what Nevada in the state of Nevada is doing to be sustainable and creating a blueprint or a, or a, an answer key for what other States are going to have to try to, you know, um, wrangle over the course of the future and and a depleted water you know water resources is is the kind of stuff that i'm i'm trying to process as i leave nevada and 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 go back over my notes and try to kind of wrap my brain around um the future of again humanity but then again golf as well Well, Uh, there was one guy also worth mentioning because he made such an incredible, impassioned speech. I wrote his name down. Um, Pat Christopher, director of agronomy at Red Ledges in Heber City, Utah, uh, you know, essentially saying conservation works and asked the question, if we had to start building golf today, what would it look like? If we know what we know now about water resources. And, you know, I did that story on Pasa Tiempo in 2015 for Golf Channel during Water Week about how they diversified their portfolio and essentially made a deal with Scotts Valley, who has an incredible reclamation um, uh, plant in which some of the, a big chunk of their reclaimed water was going out to the ocean. And then, you know, Scott Hoyt and Justin Mandon and the, and the, the membership at Pasa Tiempo were able to spring, make a deal in which they get that reclaimed water from neighboring Scotts Valley. That was a huge success story that Pasa Tiempo is benefiting now. Well, if we can have more of those stories again, is that a golf story or is that, is that a, you know, is that a business story as it relates to, you know, Santa Cruz, Pasa Tiempo, the people who work, come from Scotts Valley work at Pasa Tiempo, the property values in and around that area, that the ripple effect of, of connecting the dots and making sure that water isn't just going out to the ocean. Goat Hill Park going from potable water to reclaim water is the reason why John Ashworth has a, has a sustainable business model at this community asset in which now it's a thriving, you know, piece of, of the Oceanside community bringing national interest from all over the world. Well, that doesn't happen if he doesn't connect those dots and get the politicians to make the necessary changes so that he's on reclaimed water instead of potable water. You know what I mean? Like all of this is so connected. Um, and, and I, you know, positive stories, as you mentioned, Golden Gate Park, youth on course, how much, you know, we're working, you know, in step with them, they have 2000 courses under contract, uh, and 190,000 kids who are now members who now have access to the game of golf for $5 or less accessibility, affordability, you know, sustainability, as it relates to sort of kids getting in the game of golf and having the life experiences that have changed our lives. And so many people who listen to this podcast, uh, Western golf association, Evan scholars, canal shores, what Kemper sports, WGA and, and, and so many other uh, local uh, and privatized investors are doing to try to help canal shores uh, turn that business model around, which is going to be attached to the Western golf association and the kids that are going to get access to that golf course plus the junior caddy programs that are going to be involved. Um, you know, 
Maggie Hathaway, which we did a, a feature on last year leading into the U.S. Open, which we know is about to get $15 million inserted into that uh, municipal golf course, plus Cobbs Creek in Philadelphia, Bobby Jones, that success story in Atlanta, you know, and, and then all leading up to the Wishbone Brawl, which will happen November 11th, in which Xander Shoffley who might get dragged into some of these conversations as it relates to whatever is happening at the professional game. Oh, by the way, this is a guy who for the last six years has donated time and money and resources into North County junior golf. He went to San Diego state from the area. He's, you know, given a ton of time and money into making sure this wishbone brawl, which they play persimmons at a 45, 40, 4,600 yard golf course, um, with the likes of Dean Wilson, Jeff Ogley, Fred Couples, Charlie Hoffman, Chris Riley, local pros like Will Crop and uh, Colin Featherstone is playing this year. And then this beautiful component of the story this year in which Jasmine and Janae Laveo, who started in North County Junior Golf, caddied at some of the first few wishbone brawls, now are playing at Long Beach State and are going to compete together as partners in this year's wishbone brawl, competing against Ogilvy and and you know either Will Crop or Chris Riley or Colin Featherstone and Xander Shoffley and on their bags are going to be the Lee twins Ada and Annabelle who caddied for Fred Couples and Will Crop uh, last year uh, Fred Couples and Jeff Ogilvy last year Fred Couples and Will Crop the year before Ada and Annabelle Lee are going to be caddying for Jasmine and Janae two pairs of twins who have grown up playing in North County Junior Golf so you want positive stories. That's what we're also working on. Oh, by the way. <laughs> well said. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it used to be this time of year was slow in golf. You know, it's like, it just, uh, it just never, it never ends. There's so much intrigue, but um, it, it's heartening to hear about the, the water symposium. And it's cool that you were there because otherwise it would, people would, it wouldn't be disseminated. You know, the, the folks in that room don't necessarily have platforms or megaphones or know how to, how to get the information out. And so um, it's valuable that you would take the time to immerse yourself in that. And obviously it'll inform whatever reporting we do going forward on these environmental things. But uh, anyway, it's always fun to check in with you, Matt, and just uh, see what you've been up to and, and what's on your mind. Obviously um, I've been, I've been paddling hard here as well. So it's kind of, kind of fun to have these state of the fire pit discussions occasionally and, and um, bring people behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, anything else we need to touch on before we release the listeners? No, I mean, I'm, I'm heading off to San Francisco. Jay Blasey's picking me up at the airport tomorrow. I'm going to go get eyes on, on what ultimately is the finished product of that golden gate park project in which Dan Burke deserves a, a ton of credit as uh, the guy who runs the first tee of San Francisco and, you know, really got the ball rolling as it relates to this, this project and got, you know, privatized investors into uh, making what's going to be a huge difference just down the street from Harding park. Uh, you know, and Dan brought in Jay who is donating his, his fees to be a part of this nine hole restoration renovation renaissance of the of this piece of property josh lewis has has been critical in helping jay and the san francisco city parks department uh, make sure that you know what they're doing from an agronomics standpoint is going to be sustainable and make sure that this golf course remains playing and playable 
uh, as Jay sort of envisions it. So I'm going to be seeing that tomorrow. And then I'm going to a youth on course board meeting on Thursday. Uh, again, honored to be a part, small part of, of what youth on course is doing. And then I'm going to be busting down to Wilshire for a, another one of your, uh, one, another, one of your book signings at Wilshire country club. So, I mean, the game of golf going back to the beginning is so much more than just the people who get paid to play and it, and it dominates our eyes and the optics of what we see on a day-to-day basis. But I just think it's important and everybody listening knows this, you know, we're working on a story on the father daughter Anya Donegan from, from La Hinch and the impact she had on the women's U S open uh, from a little town next to La Hinch. I mean, what we're doing and how we're doing it is so much more than just, you know, you uh, writing these 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 books, which is a huge chunk of effort and energy to try to like peel back and shine a light into those deep, dark corners and shadows of, of the professional game. Uh, but when you do something like a water symposium or you go to something you know, like a youth on course board meeting or you go to Golden Gate Park and realize, you know, everything is connected and it's important to keep some perspective and not just yell, but sometimes listen. I love it. Perfect mic drop. Um, that was Matt Janella. This is Alan Shipnuck. Um, thanks for going along on this little journey with us through uh, the life and times of the Fire Pit Collective this minute. Uh, we uh, Generally, we like to tell other people's stories, but once in a while, it, it's kind of worth um, worth looking at what, what we're up to individually. So appreciate you, Matty. Um, to the listeners, thanks for sticking with us. Um, as always, thanks to our corporate supporters at Link Soul. And at Dormy, um, in fact, should actually probably since we're we're paying bills right now, I should say that Dormy has created some beautiful leather head covers that have that skull icon from the cover of my book. And if you're into it, um, it's we're checking. Out. Oh yeah, we have hats. The hats just came in. <laughs> they look amazing. So um, uh, we do this because we love telling stories, but we like to keep the lights on as well. So thanks to our, our sponsors as always. Um, This is another Fire Drill podcast. We'll be back in your ears soon. Um, For now, that's the end. Thanks for listening. I bet big and I played to win. Made a fortune when my ship came in. I ran the table, never thought I could fall. Then the winter time hit me like a cannonball. And now I can't shake this losing streak. Every road I take is a dead-end street I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.